Hi, you're listening to a podcast brought to you by the teaching team at New Life in North Lincolnshire. New Life is committed to helping transform people and transform places through the love and power of Jesus Christ. We hope you, in some small way, will be blessed and transformed by this message. Good morning, everyone. Always a pleasure and a privilege to talk with you on a Sunday morning. So many, many, many years ago in heaven, Jesus decided he wanted to go for a walk. He didn't, he knew he was quite well known, so he decided to get changed out of his usual gear and just have a wander around heaven. And he did that, he changed and he went to the pearly gates. He'd not been there before and he wandered to the pearly gates and Arriving up from earth, he saw this old man approaching, and Jesus thought, I'm sure I recognize his face. So he said to the man, he said, I think I I recognize you. And the man said to him, yeah, there's something familiar about you, too. Jesus said, where where do you come from? The man said, I come from a little village down there in a hot place, far, far away hmm, said Jesus what, what did you do for a living and the man said I had a I had a little carpentry business in this small town ah, said Jesus and did you have a son the man said yeah I had a actually I had a special son and he helped me out in the carpentry business and Jesus' eyes lit up and he went dad and the old man went Pinocchio. (laughs) You've heard it, Angie, and you spoilt my punchline. What do you think about that, everyone? She could not help herself. I don't know. (laughs) We are in this series called Essence. And the idea of this series is that there are things about churches, things about our church, that we don't often talk about. We just pick up via osmosis over the years. They are just something about what we are. We don't often preach these things or explain these things or write them down. We just behave like they're true. And last week in the first session in Essence, we talked about faith, not fairy tale. Faith, not fairy tale. And the whole point of that uh, session was this, that As new life, one thing we don't want to do is provide an escapist experience. Well, there may be be some of that because, let's face it, we're in a room separate from the world and most people in here are really, really nice and see the world in a good light and love all the right people and do right things. So, So, look, there might be a bit of an escapist experience, but that's not why we do what we do. We don't want to be a church that says, come to us... And we will provide you just a feel-good, escapist experience. And we use the example of Disney like that and how all that can go wrong. And I, had a bit of, I had a bit of fun taking pot shots at Disney. And I'm really sorry for all you people who love Disney so much. I do too. But that's not what we want to be like. We, we talked about the need to have a true hope amid a gritty reality. A true hope, not just one for this life, not just one for, oh, let's say what we might have a great retirement. Not that kind of hope, but a true hope that is everlasting, 
in the middle of a gritty reality. Because you live in a gritty reality, don't you? I mean, you may, it may not be on the forefront of your mind right now, but you know that once you're out of these doors and normal life resumes, that in the midst of all that is a gritty reality. Do you know, the um, so sure were they of their gritty human reality that the scribes who decided to write their story of the Jewish people wrote their story with a beginning like this, that God was on his knees gathering dust. That's how Genesis 1 starts. I mean, after he'd made the sun and the moon and the light and all that kind of thing, when he got down to his real business of you and me, the story starts with God on his knees in dust. And he made something beautiful. And I love the fact that the whole story, the, the whole book, the whole plot begins that way because it tells me this, as a minimum, it tells me this, that God still loves to get on his knees in your dust. And boy, don't we have a lot. Sometimes, sometimes just in here, we, we're messed up. Most of us know very well that we wouldn't want other people to live in our minds, right? See our thoughts, see our processing, see what we have to deal with, see the, see the thoughts we're trying to take captive and keep away. We, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't want that. And yet God, what does God do? Bring it on. Gets his hands dirty. Yeah, let's try this. That's what God does. That's how the story starts. Boy, with a story that starts like that, you know it's going to be a great story. And we're going to get to that a little bit later on. But as new life, one thing that we want to do is make sure that our focus is never on providing an escapist experience where when people come to us and there are new people in this morning, some people have just been coming a few weeks we, uh, we want to create a nice place for you, but, but we don't want you to be won over by the lights or the band or the nice people or the chairs or the, the way we've done the decor. We don't want you to be won over by that. That's nice. Yeah. We want you to be won over by Jesus. Yeah. A true hope. Yeah. The only true hope. Yeah. Everything else is temporal, will disappear. Some of the hopes you have for your life and how it might turn up may never happen. But if you have hope in Jesus, he will always happen. He ain't going anywhere. And that in the midst of what we do is what we want to offer up at New Life. If you want to know more about that, then you can tune in on the podcast and newlifechurch.uk forward slash TV and you should be able to find last week's message. How about we just take a moment to pray right now, if you pop your hand somewhere near your heart. Father God, thank you for loving us so much from the start. Before we were, you chose to love us. With all our dust and dirt and mess, you chose to love us.
Jesus, we thank you for living, dying, rising again. Thank you for offering us forgiveness and offering us a true hope. And the Holy Spirit, we thank you for being here with us, carrying the very presence of Jesus. Now will you give us ears to hear, and eyes to see, and hearts to obey. And everyone said, Amen. So my title for this week is Jesus, not God. Jesus, not God. Now, some of you are looking at me, ready to pick up stones and, and stone me as a heretic. Okay, just give me a bit of a time, bit of time. Let me explain. Last week's talk was faith, not fairy tale. This week's talk about an essence of new life is Jesus, not God. And some of you, I know, are a little bit confused about that. And I guess as I was writing it down in my notes, I thought, should I even say that? Should I call the title of this talk that? But I decided I will. And I'm going to explain why and, and how. But let me assure you for a start, and I, I hope I've shown you in the prayer I just prayed, I am Trinitarian. Okay? I am Trinitarian. It means I, I believe in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's the language I use. In fact, they're the kind of prayers I pray. What I find interesting is that most Christians who say they're Trinitarian don't pray Trinitarian prayers. They just pray Father prayers, which is interesting. I would encourage you, if you're a Trinitarian, pray Trinitarian prayers. The Holy Spirit is God, and Jesus is God. And so, why not get it used to being on your lips? I am Trinitarian. I, uh, the observant ones of you will have noticed that I've purposely put the word God in a lowercase letter. It means nothing except it just calms me a little bit that uh, you might be a little less angry with me. No, why have I put it in lowercase? I've put it in lowercase because this, most of the world, most of the world has no problem with God. They have no problem with a concept of God. Did you realize that? Most of the population, by far, I think the latest thing was something like 85% of the population of the globe believe in a God. The world has no problem with a God. And even the people who don't believe in a God have no problem with a conversation about God. Because God, God is fuzzy and can mean Whatever people talking about God want it to mean. It, can mean. it can mean your conscience. It can mean the universal conscience. That, that moral straight line that humanity has developed. That's what some people mean by God. Some people mean God and they're quite happy to talk about God as if it's um, a kind of a Star Wars force that you can tap into, Right? This kind of mysterious, ethereal thing that binds humanity together. And, and if you focus enough and concentrate enough, you can draw good things towards you by tapping into gods like the force. See, the world has no real problem with the concept of God, whether people believe it or not. Um, in fact, you can have a conversation with people and you can say, do you believe in God? And they'll say, no, I don't believe in God. And you can say to them, well, what God don't you believe in? 
And they will tell you a God that they don't believe in. I don't believe in a big old man in the sky who's really angry at people and who sacrificed his own son and who did this and do that. And, and they're happy to have a conversation about God. Different when it comes to Jesus. But God, people are happy to have a conversation. I want to show you just a little video I, I came across, which is a video about the Trinity. It's about the Nicene Creed. And uh, as a pastor of this church, I still believe in this Nicene Creed. I, I align myself with some ancients of 1,700 years ago, would you believe? 1,800 now, nearly. Yeah, 1,800. Is it? No. 1,700 years ago. I aligned myself with the ancients of 1,700 years ago who grappled with what they believe and came up at the Council of Nicaea with a creed. Would you like to see this creed? Some of you will know it. We sing it now and again in a song or two. Let's watch this video. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. You've got to love the creeds. So I am Trinitarian. We as a church are Trinitarian. That's why we, we talk about the Father. We talk about Jesus, who the, the Son took the name Jesus. We talk about the Holy Spirit. And that's why I wanted to show that video. So why the title about an essence of new life, Jesus, not God? It's because we as a church, I recognize, we join with the Father and we join with the Holy Spirit, who it seems say this. You want to know what we're really like? 
then here's Jesus. It seems to me that when we read this, this wonderful text we have, however you read it, electronically on a, on a big Bible, however you read it, the people who grapple with Father God, the people who grapple with his essence, with his spirit, they're wrestling with it. And there comes a moment when the Father and the Holy Spirit and the Son say, you know, you want to know what we're like. You want to know clearly what we like? Here's Jesus. And front and center stage, in the gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament, someone is pushed to the front. And the Godhead look on and they go, that's what we like. That is what we're like. And there stands Jesus, the pivotal figure, not just of Scripture, but of the world itself. I want to read a, a passage of Scripture to you. It should appear on the screen, just on one, one page, hopefully, from Colossians. Here's what the great St. Paul, I call him St. Paul, by the way, just to distinguish from other Pauls, like Paul Sillabon. So if I just say Paul wrote this... Some of you might think, oh, I never knew. That's quite, he's quite a poet. Um, no, this is, this is St. Paul. I just say that to distinguish. Okay, this is what he writes. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Can we say that sentence together? Here we go. Let's join with the Apostle Paul. Here we go. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. One more time. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. You are complete through your union with Christ. You were buried with Christ when you were baptized and raised to life because you trusted in his mighty power. So why do I feel safe using the title Jesus, not God, in this short talk? It's because the Godhead, the Trinity themselves say, hey, here we are. We will take the name. Jesus. Another man, by the way, who had no problem with dust. Got involved in people's lives. Got involved physically with dust. Mark read earlier about a, a time when he was washed to get dust off himself. I mean, physically involved in dust, but got involved in the nitty-gritty of people's lives. You see, whenever God turns up, he gets involved in the dust and the dirt of your life. He welcomes it. Because he can make awesome things out of dust. He did then, and he still does now. So when we come to the Bible and we read this Great story, this uh, divine romance, or this adventure of humanity with God. 
sometimes you read it and you think it's just one long wrestling match throughout the Old Testament of people getting to grips with God and then, and then the Savior comes and the plot changes a bit. However you want to describe this story in the Bible, what you can see is that it's a slow unfolding revelation of people getting to know what God is like. And sometimes when we look back now, knowing what we know, because of Jesus and because of the writings of people who followed Jesus, who had met Jesus and knew about him, when we read the Old Testament, we can think, why were you wrestling with that idea? But they were. First of all, God doesn't have a name. And then suddenly they they have a name for him, the name El, but then they have to make the name specific. So it's El something, El something else to give the attributes of God. And then God says to Moses, no, 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 no. My name is Yahweh. That's how we say it in English. So even God's name, even his being, even the way they wanted to describe God was unfolding. But you can see more than that happening in the Bible, in this slow unfolding adventure. You see, the truth was all there for these people, the Moseses and the Abrahams and the prophets and the priests. It was all there, but it was slippery. How do we we grasp this almighty God? How do we grasp this God which is not just a tribal God, but the God who who thought everything up? How do we grasp him? The truth is there, but they they, they can't get their little human hands on this concept. They just know to fall to their knees in worship, and, and they want to please this God. And they write about it in magnificent ways. And that's what we read through the Old Testament. But this God who spoke to them through prophets and priests and and laws sometimes and rules and lists of behaviors. this, This God became close and touchable. Unattainable and became Jesus Christ. The, the pivot point of all humanity. The, the spindle on which everything else rotates. Jesus Christ. The center of it all. You know, when some, I was just reading recently a, a book by a an atheist, a former atheist, by the way, who wrote a, a best-selling book called There Is No God in the 1960s. Republished it just a few years ago called There Is A God. And um, because he wrestled, wrestled with the philosophy of if there was a God, if there was a God like the Bible describes, and this God loves us like he loves us, how would he make himself known to us? And he, he, he wrestled with it and wrestled and decided that the only genuine, authentic, powerful way for a God like that to make himself known to us was to become one like us. And suddenly he was drawn to Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? The pivot point of history and of the Bible, is when the God of story and the God of myth and the God of rules and the God of law and the God who would turn up in powerful ways became close 
and intimate and touchable and took the name Jesus and said, here I am. And it's the most important thing in all of Christianity that that was the case. Be in no doubt that the most important thing about my faith and your faith is that God became man and lived and died and rose again for us. Let's go to St. Paul again, shall we? He wrote this to a church in Corinth. Let me remind you of the good news. I passed on to you what was most important. Say most important. Say it again like you mean it. Most important. Here we go. Paul, Paul, let me remind you of the good news. I passed on to you what was most important. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and then raised from the dead on the third day. If Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless. What is it? Don't say that too many times to me, will you? I'll, I'll get a complex. No, no. If Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is... Useless. What? It's not even feel good. It's not a good pep talk. It's not worth people coming to church and just getting a bit G'd up for the week and then going... No, it's useless. If Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless. What is your faith? Useless. useless. Why? If Christ has not been raised... There is no point to this. There's no point getting your Bible off the shelf or turning to the Bible up. There's no point. There's no point getting on your knees and praying. If Christ has not been raised, it's pointless. If our hope in Christ is only for a lifetime, then we are to be pitied more than anyone in the world. Why the title, Jesus, not God? Because of things like this. Because we have no alternative but to think like that. If this, if this man, Jesus, God himself, the God had chose to become Jesus, if this man is not real and didn't do what the Bible says he did, then this is pointless. And you and I, above all people on the planet, are to be pitied for wasting our time. That's what the, a writer of the New Testament says. There is no room in Christianity, there is no room in new life for not talking about Jesus Christ. He is why we're here. We talk about Father. We talk about the Holy Spirit. We talk about God with a capital G. We believe in those kind of things. But if you miss Jesus, you miss the heart of God. If you miss him, you miss the heart of God. And, you know, sometimes you can talk to people who say they're Christian and they will do anything but talk about Jesus. They'll talk about their faith in God. They'll talk about the faith journey. They'll talk about the adventure they're having with God. And you say, but tell me your Jesus story. Oh, yeah, I remember I prayed to God. When, no, tell, tell me your Jesus story. 
I, yeah, I first, my parents brought me up to believe in God. And uh, yeah, but tell me, tell me your Jesus story. And you, you can almost sense them coloring up. Jesus, I don't want to talk about Jesus. The world has a problem with Jesus. The world has no problem with God. The world has a problem with Jesus. And as I've just read, church, we can't have a problem with Jesus. Because if there's a problem with Jesus, we have a whole people are to be most pitied. Don't be embarrassed about Jesus, church. You know, for the last two years, we've started our services with a video all about Jesus. We're probably going to change that video soon, but the next one will be all about Jesus. You all join in. Some of you do the drum actions and the clap actions, and someone started singing the tune behind me this morning. It's all about Jesus. As a pastor of a church, I want people to come in, and when they go, what's that? They don't immediately think, oh, it's the plug-in cinnamon air freshener. They go, these people, these people smell like Jesus. They talk like he would have talked. They care like he would have cared. They, they get dusty like he would have got dusty. They say the things he would have said. They, they smell like Jesus. And as we go on that journey, you can imagine the Father and the Holy Spirit going, that's great. That's how it's meant to be. That's how it was always meant to be. The most important thing there was a wealthy landowner in Canada in the early part of the 20th century and he had a son who wanted to sign up for World War One. he decided he would become a medic so he trained to become a, a medic to go out with the Canadian forces and be sent to the, the front in France during World War One, and he traveled over and he left his wealthy landover, landowner father and traveled with the troops by sea across the Atlantic and came to the shores of Europe to do battle as a medic and one day he was there on the front and he saw a young soldier, younger than him even, who was trapped in no man's land and couldn't get, couldn't get back and as a medic, he knew it was one of his duties to go into no man's land and, and collect those kind of injured soldiers. And so he did. He ran into no man's land and the soldier had problem walking. So he picked him up, did the medic, and popped him on his shoulders and walked back to safety. Just as they were getting back to safety, the medic was shot by a German soldier and died on the spot. The young soldier who was being carried managed to crawl his last few yards back to the trenches where he was safe. After the war had finished, that young soldier found out who the medic was and flew to Canada. Knocked at the wealthy landowner's door and the father answered. Of course, he knew his son had died. He said, I'm... I'm the, the soldier who your son died saving. And I'm not much of an artist, but I've, I've dabbled and I've drawn a sketch of your son. And here's the picture. 
There it is. There's the sketch. And the, the landowner cherished that sketch. He kept it. Well, look, long story short, many, many years later, that landowner became a millionaire. Multi-millionaire, he also became an art collector and he filled his, filled his mansion full of priceless art from all over the world. Uh, and he died and his property and all his assets were going up for auction. And the auction was full of people. I can imagine it being like this and lots of art on display. And the auctioneer at the front was, was going to control this great amount of interest in all these pieces of art. And the auctioneer said, we're going to start with, with this piece. And he picked up the sketch of the landowner's son. He said, who's going to open the bidding? And there was nothing. No one was interested. They were all waiting for the Caravaggios and for the Da Vinci's and for the someone else. But this was it. And suddenly someone shouted from the back, $20. The silence waiting for someone else, $20. The auctioneer went, sketch of the landowner's son sold for $20. Auction closed. And everyone was, was, what do you mean, auction closed? He said, well, it, it's all over. And he took the will of the landowner. And he said, this is what the landowner says. Whoever takes the sun, takes everything. Why don't we close our eyes? If you're not sure how God forgives, if you're not sure how God speaks, if you're not sure how God saves, look to Jesus. When we look to Jesus, we see a man stripped naked before us, covered with the dirt of the worst of humanity with his arms open wide stretched open wide that's how God loves that's how God forgives that's how God speaks that's how God saves with his arms open wide he says, come to me. All you are weary, if you're weary, worn out, if you're heavy laden, if you're, if you're burdened, you're burdened by dirty stuff from your past, burdened with wrong stuff, if you're burnt out, if you feel sinful, you're weighed down by guilt if you're crushed by shame with his arms stretched out God as Jesus says come to me
Thanks for listening to this message from New Life in North Lincolnshire. To find out more, do visit us online at newlifechurch.uk or why not pay us a visit? We'd love to see you.